I like the ending of that song. One little word shall fell him. Our God is an amazing God. We're continuing this series on prayer, uh, and we've been learning all these various uh, and different aspects of prayer. And we looked at the prayer of repentance, the prayer of uh, confession, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus's high priestly prayer, Moses's prayer uh, for God's presence. And today, we're going to look at a prayer in the Old Testament. It's Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat's uh, prayer of deliverance. And uh, Tosh read a portion of that this morning for us. And as we've been going through these weeks of prayer, I actually think that this week, out of these months of July and August, this week is the most significant week. I'll say that again. We're digging deep into prayer in these, in these summer months of July and August. This week in August is the most significant week because I'm calling the church to fast and pray. Now, I know when you call for a barbecue, when you call for fasting and prayer, what, 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 fasting and prayer? What's fasting? Can you teach us from the beginning again what fasting and prayer is, right? But I'm calling the church, I'm calling us to fasting and prayer this week. Have you ever felt, or maybe you are right now, in a situation where you feel like you are outnumbered, that you feel like everything is against you, you feel like nothing is working out for you. You feel like there's no solution in sight. Maybe a lot of us felt like that a few months ago when we were in the heart of COVID. Maybe you're in a situation today like that you feel completely helpless and hopeless. These past couple of weeks, we've, uh, we've been watching the Olympics and so many significant things that have been happening and unfolding before our eyes. We've been seeing so many amazing stories of people that have, be, have faced uphill tasks and have conquered impossible situations, tests of endurance and perseverance, and so many other amazing stories. One such story is of the Brazilian uh, man, uh, Italio Ferreira, who became the first ever Olympic surfing champion this past week, and he won the first gold medal for his country. His father was a poor fisherman, and he started out surfing, do you know how? On the lids of the containers that his father would use in order to sell fish. So he would have you know, one of those containers and that it was, I think it was like a styrofoam or some type of plastic cover on it. And that was how he started out surfing. And he challenged himself and he kept working, working. And even just to qualify for the Olympics is a whole, whole nother story. He was in the United States, his car was stolen, his passport was in there, his visa was in there. He had to actually, uh, he had to qualify in, uh, for the, um, the ISA World Surfing Games in Japan in order so that he could make it to the Olympics. And he just made it. He had to go back and he had to apply for another passport and another visa. And he had to get to Japan. And then there was a typhoon that delayed his flight. And he finally got there with nine minutes to spare, only because the heat was delayed by another hour. Right? And he finally was able to, to get there. And when he got there, he had to wear a pair of denim shorts. And he borrowed one of his rival's uh, surfboards. Right? And he ended up winning the heat. So many obstacles, so many things that were happening for him to actually be able to just qualify to make the Olympics. Such an uphill journey. And I don't have time to tell you some of the other stories of some amazing Olympians like Flora Duffy, who was the, fir the first gold medalist from Bermuda ever. And the challenges that she went through year after year in order to reach the height of her, uh, 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 the height of her field. And for those uh, Olympians, they had a, a difficult time. They had challenges. They had difficulties that they had to overcome. 
And for us as well, maybe you're facing a difficulty today. Maybe you're facing a situation. Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe it's a difficulty with a family member. Maybe it's a financial crisis that you're going through. Maybe it's something that you've prayed about for a long time and you still don't see the end in sight. Maybe it's that you're waiting to get married and the right person hasn't come along. Maybe you're stuck spiritually and you don't see yourself really growing or you're emotionally disconnected from everyone and part of it might be because of everything that's happened because of COVID in this last year and a half. Maybe there's a lack of joy and happiness in your life or it could be something else. But Jehoshaphat was facing an impossible situation as well. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mennonites, they were coming against Jehoshaphat and Israel. And this wasn't a small problem because they were coming against Israel to kill them, to defeat them, right? Their lives were at stake. They were going to go into war. And Jehoshaphat realized that looking at the numbers, looking at it literally, this was an impossible situation. You can see and hear the fear and trepidation in Jehoshaphat's voice as he prays to the Lord. In Second in Chronicles chapter 20, verses 3 and 4, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. There was fear. Now, can I skip down to the conclusion? Is that okay? I'm going to skip down to the conclusion and tell you the conclusion and then go back to the front. I know maybe you want me to just go to the conclusion and finish. It's hot outside, right? But I'm going to go to the conclusion, give you the final point, and then I'm going to go back to the beginning, all right? The conclusion is this, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. I think this is the lens by which I want to look at this whole prayer and this whole chapter. This is the lens, I think, in the most important verses in my estimation of, of this part here. And it says here in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Have you ever felt like that? He says here, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Lord, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what's happening, but Lord, my eyes are upon you. And I think that's the significant thing here. You know, we can seek help from friends and family. We can seek help in an intellectual way uh, to try to solve the problem that we're facing in a very intellectual way. But sometimes there are things that can't be answered intellectually. There are some things that can't be worked out just amongst our, our family. It needs a supernatural intervention by the Lord to do something. And supernatural intervention is possible because we serve such an amazing and wonderful Lord. So I want to look at a, a few things in this chapter here because here we see how Jehoshaphat reacted, how he prayed, how he praised how he trusted, and ultimately how he won the victory in this battle. So the first thing is that it is Jehoshaphat called for a fast, and it's a time to fast, right? In verses 3 and 4 of this chapter, as we read here, it says here, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Now, he was the king, so he could order it, right? I'm just a pastor, so I'm just humbly asking, guys, ladies, gentlemen, can we fast this week? Right? Jehoshaphat ordered the people. He said, guys, this is serious. We're going to die here. Let's all get together and let's fast and pray and seek the Lord. And I'm calling the church today to fast and pray. Now, what is fasting? It is, an, it is a voluntary giving up of a legitimate pleasure, like food, in order to focus our desires and needs on something else, like God, right? Now, in the world today, fasting has become a little bit of a trend, right, as well, right? For health reasons and different things like that, for losing weight and all sorts of things, fasting uh, is spoken about. And even other religions promote fasting. Uh, and even in other religious experiences, it's a compulsory part of that religious experience. But Jesus spoke about fasting as part of the Christian experience that his followers would do. It's a spiritual discipline that I want to encourage all of us to be involved in. 
right? We see many blessings, uh, effects, and purposes of fasting, and I want to encourage you to subscribe to our email list for this week so you can get that email once a day, just for this week, Monday to Sunday. We're just going to be talking about fasting. I hope that those emails, just seven emails, will help us and encourage us, and we'll look at some scripture passages, and hopefully it'll help you this week to be focused in seeking the Lord with fasting and prayer. So please make sure you sign up for that tonight as it's going to start tomorrow morning. But today, in these days, if you're facing a difficult situation, if you're facing an uphill battle like Jehoshaphat was, what was the first thing that he said to do? Let's fast, right? I know, you want, we all wanted Jehoshaphat to say, let's call for a barbecue, let's feast, let's enjoy this, and Lord, you do the rest. But he didn't. He said, Lord, he told the people, Let's go and let's fast and seek the Lord because we are in such a dire situation. If you're facing a difficult situation today, I want to encourage you this week to take some time apart to fast and pray. And, and, and you might say, well, Daniel, you know, I'm actually, everything's going really well for me right now. You know, I'm, uh, things are not so bad in my life. Well, can I ask you to stand in the place of someone else that's going through a hard time and spend some days in fasting and prayer for that person? Maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone in the church, right? And, you know, if, if, if there's nobody that you know that's in need, put my name on the list, you know? Fast and pray for me, I'll take all the prayers I can get. But I'm sure each and every one of us, we know someone that's in a difficult situation. And I want to encourage you, as Jehoshaphat did, is to seek the Lord in fasting and prayer. Now, it, it might be difficult to abstain from food, but maybe there's another pleasure that you want to abstain from in this week. Maybe it could be some type of social media, right? How many, how many of us, you know, you have your phone, and what happens? Scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, right? It happens to me too, right? Scrolling. And, or you're on YouTube, and what happens? You watch a nice YouTube video, and you're like, oh, look at that video. Click. Oh, look at that, click, right? And before you know it, what happens? Like an hour has gone by, right? So maybe there's something that we need to maybe, again, legitimate pleasures that we can fast from in order to focus our attention on praying and seeking the Lord. Social media, TV, Netflix, YouTube, video games. Maybe it's if you've never fasted before and you want to try to fast from, from food, maybe just skip one meal, Right? And see how that goes on the first day and see. Don't, don't go right into something that's too, too big. But Jesus didn't say, he, sa he didn't say, if my disciples fast. He said, when they fast. It was a given, right? It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't an optional thing. Jesus said, when my disciples fast, Matthew 6, verse 16. And so he's calling us as followers of, uh, of Jesus to be able to do that. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'm glad that you're here uh, with us. And uh, I'm really excited that you could join us today. And I want you to know that Jesus is here to meet you as well. And if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. I want you to know that in whatever impossible situation that you're facing, that Jesus is there for you. Oh, might I add for our online audience, since I'm talking to you directly right now, September 12th, if you're still watching online, don't worry. Sign up for the barbecue, swing by after the service, pick up your food, take out to go, no problem. Just make sure you register, okay? There are so many reasons that we can fast. We can, uh, we can humble our, uh, heart ourselves before the Lord. Maybe there's a, a repentance or confession that we need to make. Maybe it's seeking God's guidance and deliverance or protection. Maybe it's to seek God's will for our lives, for our future. Maybe it's to overcome some type of temptation that we have in our life. Or it's also just an expression of love towards God because we want to go deeper in our relationship with Him. We see so many times in the Bible critical events and circumstances when people fasted. In the Bible, we see about Queen Esther in the Old Testament, how she had to go and approach the king in order to intercede for, his, for her people because they were going to be annihilated. And Queen Esther said, well, I'm going to set some time apart to fast and pray before I go to the king. Nehemiah, he mourned and he fasted when he saw the state of Jerusalem and how the walls were broken down. Ezra called for a fast, right, in order to, uh, to pray for the protection of, of the Israelites as they left Babylon returning to Jerusalem. 
Jesus himself spent 40 days in fasting and prayer, right, before he started into his ministry. The early church, they fasted and prayed before they sent out Barnabas and Paul to do the ministry that they were called to do. So the question is, why am I calling the church today to fast and pray this week? Well, as I mentioned, there's probably things in our own personal lives that we can be praying for, but I'm also asking the church to pray this week that we would seek revival in this new fall season that we're coming into, that we would be able to pray for the needs of our community around us, especially after the effects of COVID, that we would pray for the city of Markham, for Ontario, for Canada, for the world, for maybe personal and, and family renewal in our lives, maybe for you specifically or your family specifically, and you're looking at your life or your family's life and you're saying, I need a change. Well, this is a good week to pray for that, right? And to seek renewal for your own family, for your own family, for maybe it's salvation for those that don't know Jesus, right? In your own family or in our community. And there's various needs even in the church. We're in a season of, of transition here. As I mentioned, we're looking to hire some more people. And on top of that, we need volunteers. And so there are so many things that we're planning in the fall, but we need volunteers. So if, if you can volunteer some of your time, that would help us immensely, right? And especially for our barbecue, because we have to do it differently because of COVID and have all the proper protocols in place, we need more volunteers. So can I make an appeal to our whole church that if you're able to volunteer some of your time, can you please let one of us on staff know, send us an email, say, hey, I'm like, and you might be thinking, well, I don't know what to do. Don't worry. We just need a willing vessel and we can show you what we, certain uh, things that we need done. And let me encourage the parents as well to, there's so many areas, especially even in our online ministry, in our social media ministry, we're looking for, for more people. And this is a great way for youth and, and university students, young adults to be able to be engaged. It's a great way for them to gain experience as well and learn so many different things as well. And we can train uh, people in various ways. So I just want to make an appeal out there. There's so many ways in which we can volunteer and serve the Lord. And uh, we would love your help towards that end. But we're going through a season of transition here. We're trying to uh, plan and prepare different things for the fall. And so we want our church to be praying into those things. And I'll, I'll maybe explain a little bit about that in some of the emails coming out this week. But most of all, as we've said, and as Lily prayed today as well, is that we want our church to be a house of prayer, a place where the presence of God dwells. And we want UAC to be a praying church. We need to pray for unity in a divided world, as I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Right? There, there are so many things that we can pray for corporately and many things that we can pray for personally. But most of all, pray that we would go deeper in our walk with Jesus Christ. And if there's a, can I ask you, if there's a specific need that you might have in your life, can you send me an email this week? And in this week of fasting and prayer, uh, we want to be able to pray uh, into that specifically. If it's, a, if it's a private thing, then please let me know in the email. Daniel, this is just something private. Please don't you know, mention it out. If it's something that you would like our, our larger prayer team or community to pray for during this week of fasting and prayer, then mention that as well and say, I don't mind this you know, request to be, to be mentioned. And please, we would love to be able to pray together with you as we pray one for another in this week of fasting and prayer. Ultimately, it's not about what, uh, what we're giving up in fasting and prayer, giving up food or giving up this or giving up that. It's actually what we are getting in as we dig deeper in our relationship with Jesus, as we draw closer to the Lord. In fasting, we say that we are longing for something more. In fasting, we say that we're longing for something deeper, something fuller, something lasting, something only found in the depth of a relationship with Jesus Christ. John Piper writes about Carl Lindquist, who was a president of a seminary, and he wrote about how he first started to take prayer and fasting seriously. And he said this, I'll just read you a portion that he wrote. He said, my own serious consideration of fasting as a spiritual discipline began as a result of visiting Dr. Jun Gon Kim in, South Korea, in Seoul, Korea. Um, is it true, I asked him, that you spent 40 days in fasting prior to the evangelism crusade in 1980? Yes, he responded, it is true. Dr. Kim was chairman of the crusade and expected to bring a million people to Yoido Plaza. 
But six months before the meeting, the police informed him that they were revoking their permission for the crusade. Korea at the time was in political turmoil and Seoul was under uh, martial law. The officers decided they could not take the risk of having so many people together in one place. So Dr. Kim and some associates went to a prayer mountain and there spent 40 days before God in prayer and fasting for the crusade. Then they returned and made their way to the police station and they saw an officer and he said, oh, we've changed our mind and you can have your meeting. And this person said, as I went back to the hotel and reflected that I had never fasted like that, perhaps I had never desired a work of God with the same intensity. His body, speaking of Dr. Kim, is marked by many 40-day fasts during his long spiritual leadership of God's work in Asia. Also, however, I haven't seen the miracles that Dr. Kim has. The passage we're looking at today in 2 Chronicles 20 is nothing short of a miracle. Anyone here looking for a miracle? God's in the miracle working business. And if we're looking for a miracle, God is there to help us. The second thing is not to be afraid or discouraged. As we see in, in this portion, it was a very difficult situation. And Jehoshaphat was encouraged by the Spirit of the Lord not to be afraid and not to be discouraged. Now, if you look at your own situation and you might think, well, I am afraid, I am discouraged. But that's why he's, he's encouraged here. In verse 15, he says, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is the prophet speaking to him. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours. But God's. We sang that first song about how the battle is not ours, but the Lord. Verse 17 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Here, Jehoshaphat was facing two obstacles. One was fear, and the other is discouragement, right? And, and, and fear can be very debilitating. We're living in an age of many phobias and many fears of various things. And if anyone had the right to be afraid, it was Jehoshaphat. He had uh, not just one army, but many armies coming against him and against Israel, wanting to defeat Israel. He was leading his people into certain defeat, into a certain slaughter, right? How many times does God allow us or ask us to take a step of faith in such a situation? But many times fear prevents us from doing the will of God. Instead of taking that step of faith, we are debilitated by fear and don't take that step of faith to trust the Lord. Now, maybe it might sound like something crazy, especially this, this story and this situation, but sometimes God asks us to do things that maybe doesn't make sense naturally, like in this situation, but it's a reflection of our trust and hope in God, right? If you look at the example of Moses, when God called Moses to go to Egypt and help the children of Israel to come out of Egypt, Moses was so fearful. He, he made so many excuses. He said, well, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent and I can't do this and I can't do that, right? And finally, after one excuse after another, finally Moses agreed and he went. But I think that's why when Moses was giving Joshua his charge to lead the children of Israel, what did Moses tell Joshua? Joshua 1 verse 9 says, this is my command, speaking to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think Moses learned from his own experience of being called by God to lead the children of Israel in such a place of fear. Moses learned and he charged Joshua the same way. My question to us today is, are we afraid of something? Fear can be the initial reaction to something that God asks us to do or some situation that we might be in. But the longer reaction to that, the initial reaction might be fear. The longer reaction might be discouragement. And Jehoshaphat and Joshua both are encouraged not to be discouraged. And in this season of COVID, you know, we've gone through a lot of discouragement. We've gone through isolation, lockdowns, restrictions, missed celebrations. We've gone through probably times where discouragement has set in when things have just gone on and on. And sometimes we've gone through situations where we've been discouraged and then we become frustrated with people. 
Anyone, I won't ask you to put up your hand, but anyone here in your household, you've gotten frustrated with the people living in your household because you've looked at them for 18 months in a row, right? Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your wife, right? Maybe it's your children, maybe it's your parents, right? Someone told us, Laura and I, since, you know, we just finished one year married, they said, well, you know, because of COVID, that's equal to five years, so we put five years under our belt, right? Some people have lost jobs, some people have changed jobs, some people have lost money, some people have lost health, some people have lost family members. It's been a discouraging season. It's been a difficult season. And so what do we do? We realize that God is fighting the battle. We realize that he says, don't fear, don't be discouraged. And that's what takes us to the next part here. Uh, I've just outlined, if you look at your notes, just outlined about uh, five or six different things that I think are significant in this chapter about this prayer of uh, prayer and response of Jehoshaphat. But the Lord says, the battle is not yours, but God's. In verse 15, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. See, if, if the battle is the Lord's, then victory is assured. H has God lost a battle before? Anyone tell me? No. So if the statement is the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's, then victory is assured. When we take the battle out of our own hands then the battle is the Lord's and he has the victory. The problem is so many times we try to figure out what is the end result, what is the victory, what, what can I do to fix this situation, right? And here I think the key is surrender and this is always difficult to do. That if we surrender to the Lord and put the situation and circumstance in the hands of God, then the battle becomes his and not ours. The moment we continue to hold on to those situations and circumstances without surrendering them, then it's our battle and not God's battle. But we need to come to the place of surrender. Joshua came to that, uh, Jehoshaphat came to that place quite quickly because he didn't have any other choice. How could he figure out how to face all these armies? How could he figure out the victory? He couldn't. And so he surrendered it to the Lord. And I want to encourage you, even especially this week of fasting and prayer, let's surrender our job to the Lord. Let's surrender our family to the Lord. Let's surrender our, our views of COVID or whatever's stressing us out about COVID. Let's surrender that to the Lord. Let's surrender our health to the Lord. Let's surrender our relationships to the Lord. Let's surrender whatever you're holding on to for dear life, including your life. Surrender that to God. Surrender your loved ones to the Lord. Surrender all to Jesus and let him take care of the battle. Maybe you're losing the battle because you're fighting the battle. Well, the Lord says, I want to fight the battle. The Lord says in this chapter, look, you don't need to fight. I'll take care of it for you. All right, verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. It's in the place of total surrender that we find liberty, freedom, and victory in Jesus' name. See, if you, if you see places where there was just a, a complete surrender, look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There was just a complete surrender by Jesus to the will of the Father. Even the Father, the Father fought the battle and the victory was gained. Paul, in his affliction, he said, right, that the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? My strength is made perfect in weakness. When Paul came to the place, he was, he was bound. He was saying, Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Lord, do that. Lord, I need victory in this area. Finally, when he came to the place of complete surrender, and then the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When Moses was going to Egypt, when he came to that place of surrender, that's when God could work. When Esther, when she obeyed her uncle Mordecai and said, okay, I will go and approach the king in order to intercede for the people of Israel. When she came to that place of surrender is where she found the victory. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18, it says, then Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. When Jehoshaphat came to that place of surrender, then God was able to work and then God was able to do things. We all have to come to that place of surrender. 
there was an Olympian, his name is Caleb Dressel. You might have seen him on the TV if you were watching the Olympics. He's an American swimmer. He won five gold medals in the Olympics, right? He was only 24 years of age, but he's a committed Christian who says he swims for the glory of God, right? As I was reading some of the things that he was saying, it reminded me about, it reminded me about Eric Little who said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure, and in a very similar way, Caleb Dressel was saying some of those things. In, in 2015, he said, the reason I'm in this sport is not just to go fa at fast, but to inspire people and show them where I find my happiness, which is what God has given me. And so he wanted everything that he was doing to point back to God and point back to the glory of God. But with such talent that he has and, got, and giftedness that was given to him, he also faced a lot of pressure, especially at this, at this Olympics, and a lot of pressure on his mental health as well. Even in high school, he ended up quitting swimming for six months. But then he came back and he said this, quote, that uh, he, really he said, I really just put all my trust in God and knowing that he was going to take care of everything for me, good or bad. See, Caleb Dressel in high school, had to come to that place of complete surrender to the Lord. There was so much pressure on him as a gifted athlete, so much pressure on him to succeed, to do well, and thankfully he did well at, the, at these Olympics, but even after that, he said he felt so much pressure. But he had to come to the place of complete surrender because he knew that what he was doing, even in swimming, was for the glory of God. And when he went to university, he said his faith continued to grow. He said this, he said, I learned to see the light at the end of the tunnel and trust what God is doing, whether it will be a rough point in your life or a top pinnacle in your life. You've just got to take pauses and really trust what God is doing. See, to come to that place of surrender. And he came to that place of surrender way before he won his five gold medals at this Olympics. He came to that place and what he was doing was for the glory of God and he was willing to surrender to the Lord for that. The next thing in this, in this chapter, which is quite unique and very different, is something that Jehoshaphat did that really didn't make any sense. What Jehoshaphat did next doesn't make any literal sense. It can make maybe some figurative sense, but literally it doesn't make any sense. Second Chronicles 20 verse 21 says, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. Now, I don't know if we have anyone here that served in the military before, but generally speaking, when you, my dad was in the Navy, okay? Generally speaking, when you go to a battle, you probably put your strongest warriors at the front, right? Who did Jehoshaphat put at the front? The singers, right? Nadia, worship team, you know, we're going for a battle. We're, we're just going to send you guys out front. You just sing your way to victory. You know, we'll put the guys with the seals and the swords and everything behind you. So they're going, they're going into a battle. The, the worship team is coming out in front, singing and worshiping and praising the Lord. And behind is all the fierce men of war that are ready to, to fight the battle. Jehoshaphat is doing something that sounds completely crazy. Do you know what's even crazier than that? The people agreed, right? Like, Nadia, if I were to ask you, right, hey, can you just go out into the battle? You know, you know what? Take your, you know, take your violin, you know, take your guitar. Yeah, I know they're going to come with a sword, you know. Yeah, they're going to come with a javelin. Don't worry about, you know, just play the guitar. It's okay. The people agreed. The singers agreed. The musicians agreed. Do you know, the, you know the only conclusion I could come to from this? Is because at the beginning, Jehoshaphat told the people, what did he say? Someone remind me? Fast and pray. Jehoshaphat told the people, they were in one heart and one mind. And I think, I don't know for sure, but I think the fact that the people were united together in fasting and prayer, in complete trust and dependence on the Lord, they were willing to do crazy things like Jehoshaphat was willing to do. And when Jehoshaphat said, okay, guys, let's, let's make a game plan here, okay? We're going to plan this out. 
we're gonna send the singers first. And the singers are like, yeah, that's a good idea, Joshua. Yeah, let's do, let's send the singers first. If it was any other military plan, that people would be like, Jehoshaphat, you're crazy. But I think because they fasted and prayed together, they came through those steps as we just talked about of trust and dependence, no fear, no discouragement, complete surrender, trust in the Lord. They were all in the same place. And that's what I'm asking for us as a, as a church family. If you call Unionville Alliance your home church, can I ask you right now, please, Let's pray together this week specifically. I, I called us to prayer in these two months. But this week specifically, tomorrow night, we're gathering online. Tuesday, we're gathering for a, a, a prayer walk. And this week, we're gathering together to fast and pray. And if we want to see change in our own lives, if we want to see change in our family... We always say, I want this to happen, I want that to happen, but we're not willing to fast and pray and press in to what God is asking us to do. Then when nothing happens, don't be surprised. Here, the people agreed. To me, that's even crazier than Jehoshaphat's initial idea of sending the singers. One man could be crazy, but everyone to be crazy? But they were of one heart. They were of one mind because they united themselves in fasting and prayer and dissipated the fear and cast out the discouragement and left off anything that they were holding on to in complete surrender, in complete and utter commitment and trust to the Lord. And so when Jehoshaphat gave this crazy idea, let's go out and sing to victory, they all said yes, right? He didn't do it on his own. It says here specifically, after consulting the people, if Daniel has a crazy idea, you guys will probably be like, elders, where are you? Daniel's is doing something crazy. But if we fast and pray together, and if we all have the same crazy idea of how we can radically change the world through the power of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if we can all be committed in one heart and one mind to do something awesome and amazing for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, if we can be united around that same purpose, how awesome would that be? How amazing would that be? And that's why I'm, I'm calling us to, to a time of fasting and prayer. You see in the Old Testament, many times when there were battles, they would send Judah first, right? The name Judah means praise, right? Now, they didn't send Judah, you know, they sent Judah with, with, you know, armor and swords and everything like that. But... The name Judah means praise, and we lead with praise. We see it time and time again. Throughout the Psalms, you see the psalmist had trial and problem and difficulty and hardship, and he praised the Lord. Now, it's not to say we can't complain to the Lord and tell him what's going on in our heart. We should do that 100%, but there's power in praise. If you notice in Matthew chapter 26, just before Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus was betrayed, just before Jesus was going to be crucified, that whole series of events that happened, do you know what it says? It says they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. They started with praise. They started with worship. Jesus, it's a small little line that just makes it into the story, right? It's a small little note that's there. After the Last Supper, after they'd done all those things, one little line makes it in there. They sang a song, and then they went to the Mount of Olives. See, they led with worship. And I want to I encourage all. One of the reasons, you know, that we are, we are doing these outdoor services is because in this age of COVID, we want to create an, an environment that is safe for people to be able to come and gather outside uh, so that we can worship the Lord together. It's one of the things that we've lost in these last 18 months is that we've lost the sense of corporate worship. And 
worship is so important. Singing together, praising God together, lifting up our voices together, joining us, joining together in worship, whether it's singing, whether it's hearing the word of God, so many different aspects of the service that are worship. And, and can I encourage you about this? It's so easy to stay at home. Yes? It's so easy. We, we've gotten used to it, okay? Now, let me say, I've told you guys this before. I am, and our church is 100% bought in to the online experience, and we are 100% bought in to the in-person experience. No doubt. The position we're hiring for, pastor of adult ministries and online engagement. So I'm not against anyone watching online or anything, but can I encourage you that when you feel safe and when you feel able to come in person, let the only thing that stops you from coming be, well, I'm not sure if I feel, we try to create the safest environment, but you might say, I'm not, I'm not coming just because I'm not ready to come back yet in person. But can I ask you, for those watching online and for those here that are here in person, let it never be, ah, uh, I'm tired this morning. You know, I really love just having my cup of coffee and sitting back on my sofa and enjoy, nothing against that. But can I say from what I see in God's word, so there's power in worshiping in community. There's power in praising God together. As the disciples sang together and then they went to the Mount of Olives. As Jehoshaphat led the people in praise, they sent the singers out first in the battle. And so let me encourage you as much as possible, let's gather together as restrictions allow us, as, as, as our numbers hopefully are, are, we're able to fit more people inside. We have one more outdoor service, thanks be to the Lord. We'll pray for good weather for that in two weeks' time. But can I encourage everyone that let's not stay home because like, oh, I'm tired today, or oh, it's, do you know every part of the Christian life requires a sacrifice, Right? Every part of the Christian life, Jesus sacrificed for us. We sacrifice as we draw closer to him. We're, we're going to fast and pray this week. That requires sacrifice, right? It requires sacrifice. And so I want to encourage you towards that life. And again, if you, if you don't feel comfortable, you say, hey, I'm Daniel. If you're not ready, no problem. If you want to continue watching online, we're going to continue to engage with you online. We're going to continue to provide an online environment uh, for you so that you can continue to engage in our community. So we are 100% bought into the online experience. But I want to also emphasize the, the need and also the importance of gathering together and worshiping the Lord because I think there's a power that is there I think there is a sense of, of, of oneness and community that happens in, in that type of worship. And so when you're ready, we would love to see everyone, of course, as we're able to fit people in. We're slowly increasing our numbers as the government allows us to as well. Two more things, I'm just going to close. One, in verse 17, it says, the Lord, to, for us to remember is that the Lord is with us. This is something that's very simple, yet immensely powerful. Second Chronicles 20 verse 17 says, right? But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. Can I, can I just tell you something? I'm going to look right into the camera and I'm going to tell everyone here as well. Jesus is with you. The Lord is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. The Lord is with you. It's a very simple yet powerful truth if we receive it, right? Let that sink into us that it's God's presence with us that makes such a significant difference. Confess that in your prayers. Believe that in your heart. Know it in your spirit. Feel it in your soul. Enjoy it in your daily life. And I'll conclude with this, which I gave you the conclusion right from the beginning. And that's verse 12. Is to keep our eyes on the Lord. Verse 12 says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes 
are on you. I, I can tell you right now, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what the Lord is going to do. But I'm going to do my best to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to do my best by God's grace to keep looking to him. You know the story of, of, uh, of Elisha and uh, his servant. And there was an army coming against Elisha as well. And the servant of Elisha was all scared, wondering, Master, what are we going to do? How are we going to overcome this? And Elisha's all cool and not worried. He's like, ah, don't worry, it's okay. And the servant is like pulling his hair out and wondering, what are we going to do? This whole army is coming against us. And Elisha prays this simple prayer and he says, Lord, open the eyes of my servant. And his eyes were opened. And he saw a vast army of chariots of fire around because the presence of the Lord was with Elisha. Just as the presence of the Lord is with you, whether you're here in your house, the presence of the Lord is with us. Now, you're, you're probably reading this story and you're probably thinking, well, that's a great story for the Old Testament, but does that happen today? Does that same God deliver people today? Does that same God work today? I want to close by telling you the story of what's called the miracle at Dunkirk. You might have seen the movie. It came out a few years ago about Dunkirk. It was May 1940. It was a critical time in World War II. France had fallen because Hitler and the Germans were advancing quickly. The British expeditionary forces, which were numbering about 330,000 or so uh, soldiers, were in the area of, of Dunkirk in France. And the decision was made to pull them out. And Churchill feared that this would be the greatest military disaster of their time because the Germans were coming and he didn't know whether he could pull out these people. He thought that he could save about 20 to 30,000 of those soldiers out of 330,000. That means Churchill was thinking, Winston Churchill was thinking he was going to lose about 300,000 of those 330,000 soldiers. Do you know what happened at that time? They had a leader, not Winston Churchill, but his name was King George VI. And he called for a national day of prayer on Sunday, May 26th. He called the nation to pray. He realized the dire situation. He realized what Churchill was saying. This was such a critical time in the early part of the war, right? And, and a great defeat here would have probably changed the course of the whole war of World War II. But King George VI called for a national day of prayer on Sunday, May 26. He asked the nation to commit this cause to prayer, to commit this to the Lord. With members of the cabinet, the king went to Westminster Abbey to pray. And if you see pictures of that situation, you'll see in Westminster Abbey, lines were long, out the door. People were waiting to pray. Millions of people in England flooded to churches on that day to pray because the king called them to pray. I told you from the beginning, I'm not King Jehoshaphat. He told him, you guys have to pray, right? You guys have to fast. King George called the people to pray and they responded, I'm, I'm calling you just as your pastor and saying, friends, brothers and sisters, can we pray this week? Can we fast this week? whatever way you're comfortable with, whatever method you want to do, let's pray. Do you know what happened? They saw miracles that happened. First thing, Hitler halted the advancement of his troops, even though his generals advised him not to do that. Till today, people still wonder why Hitler changed his mind and stopped the advancement of his troops. Churchill, guessed that, uh, Churchill was guessing at the time that he thought, Hitler thought that because he had his air, air force, the Luftwaffe, that that was enough. But for some reason, unknown to us, Hitler stopped the advancement of his troops. The second thing that happened is that there was a storm uh, that broke out over Flanders, which grounded the German Luftwaffe uh, planes, the squadron, right? And that allowed the British army to move towards the coast in Dunkirk. 
And the third thing that happened is that the English Channel, the water, body of water between England and France, became calm. There was a calm like no, and it was weird because just uh, some miles away, right, in, in, in Flanders, there was a huge storm. But then the, the English Channel was quiet. And why was that important? Because big ships, small ships, privately owned ships, they came from England to rescue the British Army. Winston Churchill thought that maybe they could save 20 to 30,000. Well, they saved 335,000 soldiers and brought those people back to England. General Hayter, the chief of the German chief of staff, chief of the German general staff, three days before, he said the British army is going to be defeated, easily annihilated, no problem. But he recorded in his diary on May 30th, he said, quote, bad weather has grounded the Luftwaffe, and now we must stand by and watch countless thousands of the enemy getting away to England right under our noses. The British and the king were so grateful that on June 9th, 1940, just a couple of weeks later, they appointed a day of national thanksgiving. They had a national day of prayer and they flooded the churches and the king and the cabinet went to Westminster Abbey and they prayed and they saw the hand of God move in amazing and wonderful ways. We don't know how the war would have turned out if things had gone differently at that very critical battle at Dunkirk. But they rose up to the challenge when the king said, let's pray because we are such at a critical juncture at a critical time. And because they saw the answer to prayer, they declared on June 9, 1940, a day of national thanksgiving. David Gardner writes about a, 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 an, an, a, a, a reporter at the time, Mortlock, that he wrote in the Daily Te uh, Telegraph. He said this, the prayers of the nation were answered and that the God of hosts himself had supported the valiant men of the British expedi expeditionary forces. Two great wonders stand forth, he said. I have talked to officers and men who have got back sa safely to England and all of them tell of these two phenomena. The first was the great storm which broke over Flanders on Tuesday the 28th of May. The second was the great calm which settled on the English Channel during the days following. Officers of high rank do not hesitate to put down the deliverance of the British expeditionary forces to the fact of the, of the nation being at prayer on Sunday the 26th of May, two days before the great storm in Flanders and the calm that came over the Channel. And that following Sunday, many congregations sang Psalm 124 about the Lord being on our side, escaping from the enemy. And the ending of that Psalm says, our help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We're not in a war, but we're coming out of such a unique time right now. We just went through a pandemic that we've not seen ever before. The last one was more than 100 years ago. We're coming into a new season. We all have so many needs. Our church has uh, so many needs. Our families have so many needs. Personally, we have so many needs. I'm asking you this week, I'm calling us this week to prayer. I'm not King George VI, but I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who rules the nations and loves people and desires for all of us to enter in, into deep, intimate relationship with him. We're gonna sing a song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Let's turn our eyes to Jesus. Just as Jehoshaphat said, he said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you.